power went out again. Yeah, no. Uh, it has, but not not today. <laughs> Welcome to another uh, episode of An Inquiry into Freedom with your hosts, Ron and Alan. So there's quite a bit to get to. <clears throat> oh. Um, I guess I'll start off with... Uh, I had mentioned before they're trying to use the 14th Amendment uh, to take Donald Trump off the ballot. And a couple of states are doing that so far. Uh, California, maybe, by any chance? Actually, New Hampshire. Oh, Lord. Um. And two other ones. Um, I don't exactly. Here, let me look it up and see. Colorado? Uh, Arizona's one of them off the top of my head. And then Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who's, who's running for president. He's actually, he brought it up during the debate and said it would probably be a good idea. Oh, really? Well, I mean, he's a candidate. At the, at the Democrat debate? No, I mean, might as well have been. Um, well, I mean, he's, he's not a Republican. So. Well, no. Uh, he, he may, uh, and, and actually he may be a Republican, but he's not a conservative. Uh, oh. That's just how I look at things. Oh, well, yeah, you may be right, yeah. Because McCain was a Republican, and he wasn't conservative. Yeah. Yeah. Marxist, actually. Yeah. Okay. So what they're saying is, uh, and I had mentioned before, it says that if, you know, a civil servant is involved in Mm -hmm. a potential insurrection or tries to overthrow the government, they are disqualified from... Uh, running for office again. Uh, that was another amendment that was adopted after the Civil War and has n- really never been used. Um, but first of all, where are the insurrection charges? Where's the conviction? Uh, and where's the... I mean, where's the due process? Well, you don't yeah. just get to claim somebody, in, you know, uh, instigated an insurrection and they're automatically guilty. I mean, that would have to go to court. Well, in a free country, yeah, but we have to remember this is no longer a free country. Yeah, and it's a great point because we've thrown all the rules and laws out the window. Yeah, at this point, yeah, the Constitution is. Pretty much irrelevant, which surprises me that they're actually considering using any part of the Constitution. Or anything. Well, and, and so another thing I wanted to mention was that, uh, you know, they're going after Clarence Thomas. I mean, harder than they did, you know, before he was even uh, uh, appointed to the Supreme Court. Um. And Democrats are on a, uh, they're on a headhunt. 
and will will do anything they can to never lose power again. And I don't understand how people don't recognize that. Um, you know, when you're when you're uh, prosecuting your political opponent, when you're going after Supreme Court justices with no evidence whatsoever of misconduct or you know ethics violations. I mean, they're just they're just trying to destroy people. Yeah. And you know, I hate to beat a dead horse, but you know, where are the conservatives? And and I would I would go as far as saying, where are the independents that are that are going to say, hey, th this doesn't this doesn't cut the mustard here in this country. You know, we have we are a constitutional republic, and you're not you're you're governing like a bunch of tyrants well except for the people who think they're doing exactly what they want to you know they're in favor of doing all of this lame brain shit so you know they they don't give a crap they think we're the crazy ones. so I, I just can't even have a conversation with them no, but if he's if he is uh, removed from the ballot without any due process, without any uh, again, no charges, no no conviction or guilty verdict or anything, on the basis of insurrection, I mean, even even if even if everyone agreed that the people who went into the U.S. Capitol on January 6th um, were all guilty of insurrection, regardless of what Donald Trump said, they all are, they all are free will, they had their own free will, and they were their own individual choices made them do what they did. But it, more importantly, Trump didn't enter the uh, U.S. Capitol and do anything to personally overthrow the government or be charged with the charge of insurrection. Which, you like know, it, that, that, that gets to my point, the point that I had before this all even happened, was that if... If they were going to go to all this trouble, then that's exactly what it should have been. <laughs> Remember? I yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. If they're going to go, if they're going to want me to be involved in something, then fine. Let's have a whole bunch of armed people show up and say, it's our government, get the hell out. You know, have a million people show up with, for that. Have a real insurrection and just say, no, we're not, we're just going to put everything on pause and we're going to audit what just happened. And in the meantime, um, we have a few questions and concerns about how our, how our government is not operating or serving people any longer. And, you know, have a real insurrection. Have something to get excited about. But no, 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 no. Everyone's all this peaceful protest crap. Well, look how far that's gotten everything. So, you know, and granted, I was joking around, being sarcastic, as always. 
when I said all of this, that looking back, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I think that was a much better idea than I really thought of at the time. So <laughs> now I'm thinking it's a much better idea as each day goes by. <laughs> right. You know, I think I'm really at the point where I'm thinking we probably need a million people to show up with um, armed with assault weapons, whatever those are, to uh, kind of take our government back and, and just say, we're not putting up with this garbage anymore, people. And if you want to have a fight, then we're going to have a fight. But we're either a free country or we're not. So... You know, you're, to your point, I I just got my internet back. Yeah. I mean, there is nothing like telling your people, you know, you're going to be on the podcast again today. My, I mean, my tech basically left um, 20 minutes ago. <laughs> it's hilarious, man. This is so fun. But yeah, um, yeah, I've, everything's up and normal. I mean, 25 mics, you know, I've got all kinds of speed and everything. It's an amazing. It's never worked as well. And all because, uh, anyway, so yeah, they uh, they just didn't want to hear any more about their no service work. <laughs> well, so, I mean, it's it's um, hard to get any, any kind of service anymore that's worth a damn. Right? So... And, well, there's only two companies in every area, you know. It's like, why can't we have, like, ten? Because there aren't ten. So they just, you know, they they divide up all these regions and stuff, and they pretend like they're competing, that we have market competition when we only have two companies. Left, you know? Yeah, well, and again, that, that so, goes against the Constitution because that's a monopoly. Exactly. So... I, I'm like, okay, as it's powering up, um, my database is populating and everything, and my Outlook has 301 emails in my inbox. Jeez. Sounds Three. like me. <laughs> you know, yeah. 70 a day. Yeah. And, and I'm retired. So, um these are only people who know me, you know, I'm not on these, you know, I'm not running a business and have people getting a hold of me, trying to sell me widgets or anything. So the very first one that had just come in at the very top was a congressman. Oh God. Who I think I mentioned to you uh, last time was probably, I would never hear from again because I gave him what for, but to your, to your point that we were talking about the other day and this one, that the Republican Party is caught in the Hegelian dialectic with the Marxists. But they're, they don't even know it. You know, they're playing the Marxists' game and they don't even know that that's what they're doing. Um, they're just completely trapped in that instead of having their own agenda. Yeah. They're, and, being, the, you know, they're being the anti-Democrat. You know, they're not conservatives. They're just anti-whatever the Democrats are. And they're calling that Republican. 
And we think, oh, well, there's conservatives, and then there's, you know, not so conservatives. There's the Marxist Republicans like John McCain and and uh, Romney and the others. Uh, Mitch McConnell, great example of, you know, Mr. Oh, I have to hit the reset button so that I can get Mitch restarted. Oh, my right, God. Right. Try unplugging him and then plugging him back in after 20 seconds. So, you know, like redoing your router. You know, that moron. Uh, so anyway. Well, it's ridiculous because, um, I mean, for the second time, he's vapor locked. Yeah. And, you know, Diane Feinstein has had numerous health issues as of late. And and what are the oh there's a big outcry for them to step down. Oh, screw the outcries! I'm tired of hearing about that. Yeah, just remove them. Yeah. How about we hear them crying as they're being frog marched out of the building? <laughs> yeah, as they're being let out. I mean, it's just yeah. insane. I want to hear some real crying. It's insane to me. Yeah. That we well, you're right. But but here's the thing you you mentioned. Uh, the, the Republicans are playing the Marxist game. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Republicans and conservatives and, and those who lean right that are independent are playing the same freaking game. I think they are, too. And I think that, yeah, I, and I think that the, the uh, rhetoric that comes out of, you know, the representatives' mouths, those in the House and the Senate, have created that, what we talked about, possible uh, aura of mass formation psychosis. And that people yeah. just, they're just numb to it. They're just yeah, so they, used to hearing, they're so used to hearing, oh, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to hold people accountable. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to make sure we investigate this. And we're going to make sure that we do this and do that. That, that they really believe that's happening, but they never get an outcome. They never get a, a decision. Yeah. And they yeah, then become, you have someone saying, oh, well, we think it might be bad if we do that because one of them, I don't know if it was Jordan or Comer, but one of them saying, you know, uh, impeaching Biden now could backfire on us. And I'm thinking to myself, well, the only the only you're thinking about an election here. I'm thinking about whether or not we need to have a crime family boss taken out of the presidency or not. I couldn't care less about whether this backfires on the well. And that's the problem, is it not? It is. That's precisely the problem. that it's uh, it's politic. Everything is so politicized that it's like, well, we 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 don't want to you know we don't want to pursue Im impeachment against Joe Biden. That that might be bad for our elections. Yeah, you know, we we won't win. Well, we don't give a crap whether you win or not. We give a crap what's best for the country. Yeah, and and I think they they don't get that. And well, I don't think that um, I don't think that the independents get it either. No, I don't. That's why I mentioned the independents yeah. because I mean that all of these things that are happening. I mean, listen, the National Archives have admitted that they have fifty four hundred emails with Joe Biden. Uh, using a pseudonym. They have come out and said they are not going to uh, answer to a subpoena from the House 
and turn over those documents. And the DOJ said, yeah, your subpoena power is, is irrelevant. Whatever happened to checks and balances in our, in our country yeah. and in our government? I mean, so if we have again, a million arms, let's say we have a million armed citizens that are all militia members that are in D.C. today, and they show up at the National Archives building. You think they'll get those fifty-four hundred emails by, uh, let's say, um, and five, at five by five o'clock, let's say twelve minutes from now? You think they'd have those? I think so. There's no none of this crap. It's like if we are well, that not depend, that depends stand on, up and say we're not going to take this anymore. Yeah, but that would depend then, on whether or not Joe Biden scrambled F-15s and and you know yeah started well, started opening the the uh, suitcase or the briefcase with the nuclear codes in it. Well, and what is he going to do? What's he gonna, that's it, when you start finding out who's <laughs> really serious. Yeah, right. No one is. That's my point. But no would that be considered an insurrection? No one for Joe Biden to do that because <laughs> no one does that. Only the leftists do that. The people who are not leftists never do what I just suggested. They never put pressure on these on the pressure points, right? No, I, they never, I, because I they're just at all. They're, exactly, it's like I I know Joe Biden doesn't have the balls to send. F-15s to to uh, take out a million militia members in front of the National Archives building. You know, because I don't know how he would come up with the constitutional reasoning to do so or uh, the ability to, to back up that. And I don't think he has the balls to. You know, at some point, people run out of gumption. And he couldn't do that. He couldn't. He could not do that. And I, I have to believe, as compromised as our military is, jet fighter pilots would not do the trick. Would not pull the trigger. I, well, and we've talked about that before. And I think that that there is a fringe part. You know, if there was a civil war um, in this country, and the military was you know, the government sicked the military on the citizens. I believe that the vast majority of the military would be like, no, that's not happening. And then there would be that fringe uh, part that, yeah. you know, that people got into the military just so they could have the, could have the opportunity to kill yeah. people. In other words, the people working at the Pentagon. Yeah, well, I mean, is there, <laughs> is there, is there anybody... In, in the upper echelon that works at the Pentagon that would have the guts to say, we're not doing that? We won't take that order? I don't think so. I mean, we're talking about the enlisted, the fighter soldiers, the, you know, yeah. the lower exactly. level officers. As the far people as like, who used to be allowed to win wars. Yeah, XOs and stuff like that. Um, exactly. Yeah. That that would probably go. You're full of crap, because that's my family. You know, that's my my buddy that lives down the street. You know, that I grew up with all my life. I don't think that they would be willing to do that. 
Now there's going to be some crazies. Yeah. Uh, You're right. You're right. But I don't think there'd be enough of them. Listen, what's our military? Uh, what's how many personnel do we have in, in all five branches now? It total. Couple hundred thousand. I mean, I don't I, know what the number. I don't is. know what the number is either. I'd have to look it up. But let's just say it's three hundred thousand. Uh, what chance do they have against a million? And if a civil war broke out, it would be a hell of a lot more people than that. Well, exactly. and, and, and I get, you know, I, I'm a veteran and I was willing to sacrifice my life for this country. Um, but I wasn't. If I was in the military, or if that happened while I was in the military, I'm not doing that. I I would I would go to jail for saying I'm not turning my weapon on my fellow citizen. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I was always in in the camp of I am always willing to help someone else die for their country. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's not going to be me. I'm going to kill the other guy. Now, um, if, if it if it turned out that there was a soldier, you know, or soldiers that were coming at me to kill me, I'm going to defend myself. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying yeah. that, that I, I just don't yeah, think... That's that, what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the vast majority are, uh, are going to do that because I don't think that... I, I believe that they would think about, maybe think about it, and then say, you know what, we're just not strong enough. There's not enough of us. Because yeah. not, not everybody that's in each branch of service is a combat soldier to begin with. Uh, precisely, yeah. So, I mean, you know, the numbers would be limited. Uh, but I want to I want to mention this real quick because we were talking about uh, removing. Well, I, I want to get to the the Hegelian piece. Though. Oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. Because this has been going on for a century. Um, you know, they they got their first guy elected, uh, Roosevelt, um, to to go with implementing Marxism politically, and it hasn't stopped since. And the game's just kind of changed a little bit over time and everything. But the Republicans are into this whole thing of stopping them, minimizing the damage, what have you. So I, I'm not sure of the best way to make people aware of how to recognize this dialectic when it's at work. It's, it's so obvious to me that I don't understand why other people don't get it, but I'm 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 thinking of a of a sample issue that to look at and say, you know, this issue's out there, and what do you think about? Like uh, Robert F. Kennedy says, uh, I think that uh, government there should be three percent mortgages. Oh uh, yeah, I heard about that. Okay. Well, that sort of thinking uh, caused the meltdown in 2008. Are we sure we want to do that again? Um, 
maybe that conversation's going on now or not. I don't know because I haven't had internet long enough to be able to look stuff up. <laughs> but, but you know, let's think of a well-worn topic like um, gun control. You know, um, or confiscating guns, whatever anyone wants wants to make a conversation. So we've got different layers of Democrats, we've got different layers of Republicans, and then we have different layers of independents. More conservative, less conservative, um, what have you. I mean, we've got the whole shebang in this country, and the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Those of us who are, you know, I hardly talk. I talk more in these podcasts than I will talk for an entire month. Yeah, I'm pretty often much the same. Podcast. Yeah, like I don't. Yeah, I'm not interested in yapping with a bunch of people all the time. So, you know, but let's just take that subject of, you know, the the Democrats say that. Well, what are you going to do about gun violence? And, and ultimately, the Republicans get to, well, maybe we can have, like, gun-free zones, like the school stuff. I remember that with, with Georgie II. And he was okay with having gun-free zones. He didn't fight that. Well, what just happened? Well, the Hegelian dialectics at work. They want X with guns but they're willing to take Y for now because it advances the ball. Because why? Well, that's a reasonable restriction on, our, on a constitutional right. You know, let's just, I'm okay with y'all having guns and everything, I suppose. I don't like it, but I think I can live with it. As long as we have a, are open to having a reasonable conversation about whatever. That's how it goes. Well, reasonable conversation, what they really mean is ultimately reasonable means agreeing with them. So where you get down the slippery slope of arguing in the in the Hegelian dialectic mode is that as soon as you start having these reasonableness conversations of well, I, I guess I, I don't really like that, but I think that it's okay with me if we have a gun-free zone around schools. Oh, well, so then you have both parties agreeing to that. And I'm thinking, do you not just realize what you did? You just caved on their negotiating tactic, and you just opened the door to have it be that way forever. Yeah. Instead of you know, the the other option is you stick with who who you are. And who you are, if you're not a Marxist, is in this country we're we're about freedom and liberty, which is the you know, our constitution, like it or not, it's how we how we operate here. And until until that is changed, then we operate with it how it's written. So and that's just a whole lot of words to say, where is it, where does it show up in having a gun-free zone if that provides 
preserving people's constitutional rights. It's not a it's not preserving the right to life, liberty, or pursuit of happiness. It's it's actually takes the guns out of the hands of people like teachers and security guards or who what have you who could defend a school against a shooter. I mean I I'm pretty sure that these uh, mass shootings at schools has uh, increased several times over since we went to gun-free zones around schools. I just don't know the exact multiplier. So it hasn't marginally increased. It's it's a multiplier effect. There are way more school shootings than there ever used to be, and no one has guns around a school other than the people who are doing the shooting. And they go there because, oh, there's no one there to shoot back. So how about instead of arguing this whole reasonable limitations on freedom, how about we say, no, we're about freedom. If we're going to do something, what do we do to preserve freedom? What has to be done? And all the conversations and negotiations have to do with that subject. And it's amazing how policies change. But Republicans are caught in this responding to the Democrats' incrementalism of gradually changing things over time to the point where we now have a system that is unrecognizable. Uh, you know, our, our whole quote-unquote justice system isn't even a justice system anymore. It's a, it's a political action committee that can put people in jail and can execute people and do all kinds of things that we don't want. That's because Republicans have bought into this whole incrementalism to the point where freedom is irrelevant in a conversation, in a political conversation. If you bring it up, you're a so-called extremist. That's how bad it is. That's why I'm saying that Unless people realize that taking something that I would say would be an extremist measure, showing up at the National Archives and enforcing what everyone wants, which is a, a subpoena and receipt of all of those emails, if they're not going to hand them over and you have your citizens militia show up, then you have no choice but to hand them over. And if we start doing that, things change. But if we're not willing to change, if we're not willing to do that, we're not going to be taken seriously. The Democrats and the Republicans take Black Lives Matter seriously. Even though they have wacky things going on, they've got a clearly Marxist uh, approach to doing things. But they take them seriously because they know if they don't, there's going to be rioting in the streets. So if, if we're not willing to take them on and play their own game, then, then, then you have what we have now. So we're not the extremists. We're, I, I, I know I was 
joking around with my usual sarcasm and stuff the other day, but how about the Republicans and independents start playing by the rules of the left and and have peaceful protests that are exactly like all the BLM peaceful protests. That's the new model for this election year. Boy, that's that's going to change the dynamic, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So I just wanted to kind of talk through that of change the dynamic so that we are asserting where we stand instead of standing on shifting soil according to whatever Democrats are, are wanting to argue about today. How about we argue on our own stuff? and argue in our own way instead of the whole comer or, or whatever saying oh well it might not be to our advantage to go with the impeachment now that's bullshit well that, what they so that, that's my little diatribe yeah, well, what they originally said about that was we want to do an impeachment inquiry Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like when you're doing a uh, when when you file charges against someone, there's a discovery period, and that the inquiry would open up a larger uh, a, a bigger, more access to other things that just their their typical investigation allows. So they, they would not have to fight and argue over documents and emails and, you know, have to, have to take the National Archives to court and sue them in federal court to have access to, you know, public information. And I, I think there's a difference there that, that people need to understand is that uh, it, it's not a constitutional right to ask the government for information. There is cert- certain information that you are, you know, able to acquire and some that you're not. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about the government investigating the government. These people have uh, high-level clearances. They have special authorities, you know, authority to do these type of things. That's why they have a... a Judiciary Committee and an Oversight Committee because that's their job. So what are you hiding? Uh, you know, that they you don't want them to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, if there was nothing, you know, Joe Biden has claimed from day one he didn't know anything about any businesses, business dealings, or anything that his son was doing. If that's the case, then why are you, you know, why are they trying to hide all of this information? Just give it up. Yeah. You know, just turn it over. Take a look at whatever you want to look at. That would look better to the public than them saying, we're not giving it to you uh, solely because they don't feel like it, which is bullshit. In regards to um, what you were talking about with 
chipping away bit by bit at a, at a basic right or a constitutional right is what the Democrats do. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, I, I'm not for big government at all. I'm not anti-government, but I'm not for big government. Um, and I think there needs to be a balance between the federal government and state government. Uh, you know, a lot of conservatives want to give back a lot of power to states. And I think, for the most part, that's the right thing to do. However, when you see a state like California that wants to implement another 11% tax on purchasing firearms or ammunition, the states can be out of control. But it starts at, at that level, does it not? Oh, well, they got away with it, so another state will do it. And then another state exactly. will do it. And yeah. then that, that trickles up to the federal government. And the federal government goes, well, all these other states already have it. Why don't we just pass a law that goes along with them? And that's how people lose their freedoms. And they don't understand that. I mean, it's easy to see. I mean, you, you can... You can tell that that's how things have gone for a long time. I mean, we, we, our government imitates Europe. What Europe does, oh, well, we're going to do that too. Right. And I don't understand that. We're an independent country. You know, we have our own constitution. We have our own laws. But yet we adopt other, other countries' crap. That doesn't seem to work there or here. Yeah. You know, we've talked about, you know, socialism. Oh, well, you know, Denmark is socialist. It works there. And this, this, you know, the manipulation of the language. Oh, it's Democrat. It's democratic socialism. That's different. Uh, No, it's not. Socialism is socialism. And you and I have agreed that it's just another, it's a, it's a, a light way to say Marxism. Yeah. Uh, and if you adopt socialistic policies, it leads to one, one end, which is complete and utter domination. You know, because yeah. the government doesn't do anything without some sort of future plan and agenda. You know, it, when, when, if you go back and you look, we, we started with gay marriage. And all of that has escalated to, you know, transgender and, um, you know, young kids being taught about whether they're a boy or a girl at a young age, it's all escalated to a, a, an extreme point that you can't, you can't flip a switch and, and take that away. It's, it's, it's here to stay. Well, you can. You just have to recognize it's going to be messy. Well, and I think maybe you that's, maybe that's the, the, the key word. Yeah. Is that the the Republicans and the conservatives don't want to have they don't want to have a mess on their hands. 
they would rather just go along and say, okay, yeah, well, we lost a little bit there, but, you know, that, that stopped us from having a mess. Well, you've, you've hit on it exactly because that's their justification for giving in is they, is they want to be reasonable because if they're not reasonable, the other side, you know how unreasonable they can be. They, they start fires and burn cities down and they kill people and they, we don't want to have that. So we'll just go along and get along here. It won't be that bad. Well, you just gave away some freedom. That's what you did. Yeah. It's it's not that you are not, it's not going to be that bad. You just gave up freedom. No, you don't give up freedom. So you have, you solve the problem without giving up freedom. Um. The only way you ever give it up, give up freedom is if there's really, it's a choice of freedoms. It's, you have to give a little on this freedom to get to preserve this freedom. You know, because there are, there are instances where, and we've talked about it, it's like if you're neighbors with someone and, you know, the old saying about good fences make good neighbors is, is boy, is that ever true? But you can have a situation where you're free to do whatever you want to until you're infringing on my freedoms. So you might like to run a, you know, a, one of those little model airplanes all hours of the night. And, but if you're buzzing it over my house or I can hear it and it's two in the morning, we're gonna have a conversation or vice versa. You know, you'll come talk to me. And probably, probably neighbors tend to work things out, you know, if not, it, it escalates, but you know, yeah, you're free. You're free to run your airplane. You want all you want to until you're upsetting my situation, my freedom to have some peace and quiet out in the country. So, you know, you have to work those things out. So what's it mean? It means I have to compromise a little, you got to compromise a little, whatever. We're all capable of doing those things. So we all know that we have to serve, have to sacrifice a little bit of X to get a little, to get Y. And the more, the more packed together we are as people, and I'm talking about cities, then the more freedoms we have to give up, you know, and I think that we see more Marxist things flying in big cities than we do in a little town like Munich. You could never run this town like New York runs. It, you, everyone in town would shoot you. Start, start with that one. Yeah. Because we all are armed, all armed. I mean, you go to the grocery store and you want to buy uh, vegetables or, or meat or cereal or whatever, we're all packing. Everyone. Well, I shouldn't say everyone. Almost everyone. Yeah. You know, you go, You also don't have any crime. I don't think that grocery store has ever been held up. 
you know, people don't go in and hold that grocery store up. They'll go, you know, somewhere else because they're going to, they're not going to walk out of there with holes. They're not going to be able to walk out of there. <laughs> they're going to be so full of holes that they're going to be incapable. Yeah, of and I would agree uh, <laughs> uh, with that being the same where I live. Yeah. Uh, it is. You know, people, yeah. you know, it's not like people are walking around with guns on their hip, but you know, somewhere yeah. in any crowd that you're in. Yeah. There are going to be several, if not more, people that have weapons on them. And if you do any dumb shit, I mean, yeah, you know, well, we were we were among the hip here. I mean, we're in the West. I mean, you can hear it's open so, carry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do think we talk about this too. Is that I think you can be inviting more problems than you're solving if you do open carry, mm -hmm. but you know. Theoretically, uh, someone who's going to start a problem with someone who's carrying a gun on their hip is going to cause a problem anyway. Yeah. So they're just picking out the guy that they want to go start something. Well, with. and I, I'll be honest. So uh, when I was a uh, my previous employment and was a supervisor of eleven retail stores, uh, an ex employee of mine came into the store and he was wearing a gun on his hip. And it made me nervous. And I had a gun with me at the time, but it wasn't on display. Um, I wasn't nervous that he was going to do something with the weapon. I was more nervous of, I knew who he was, and is this a guy that really needs to be <laughs> open carrying uh, a weapon? Oh, yeah. So, but I can understand. I can understand, um, you know, people who who aren't familiar with owning weapons and, and who aren't familiar with being around them uh, can be nervous when they see somebody walking around with a gun. Um, I don't know why. Uh, if there was some trouble and... and some crap going down, I'm going to run towards the guy that has the gun instead of running away from him. I'm talking mm -hmm. about that that's carrying it on his hip and, and, you know, uh, cause he's probably going to be able to protect you more than anyone else. Yeah. Uh, well, exactly. It's the, the try that in a small town song all over again. It's just, you know, we basically have, whatever 25 large cities that they need to run more like a marxist operation than a freedom operation just because there's so much freedom you have to surrender when people you know i keep saying it but people are not meant to live in close quarters like we do in new york um where you've got I don't know, 9 million people living on top of one another, something yeah, I like that. No <clears throat> yeah, yeah, not interested. I used to love going there. And uh, it was dangerous when I used to go there all the time. I, I carried a weapon with me while I was there, even though it wasn't legal. Um, so, you know, and I would carry one if I went there today, even though it's not legal. So... It's like, well, sorry, folks, but um, 
there's a there's this thing called the Constitution, and I did not sign away my right to carry um, or defend myself. But yeah, there would be a big problem if I was there and that was learned, mm-hmm. or God forbid, if someone tried to, you know, attack me and I shot someone in self-defense. But it's the old, I'd rather be uh, tried by 12 than carried by six. Um, at least I'm alive in prison. The other person's dead. And if you're not armed, then, you know, you just reversed that. And the other person, given how New York operates, the other person isn't even tried. You know, they're never even found. <laughs> you're just mugged, you're killed, and they toss you on the railroad tracks. And they're gone. Nothing happens to them. So, you know, why Why am I concerned about carrying the weapon? So it, it's just that I get the whole idea of government being more intrusive, shall we say. Not necessarily yeah. Marxist, but... You know, they're involved in more of your life if you're living on top of one another in New York than they would be here or there where you're at. Well, the good and, thing the good thing about what we we were discussing is that there are a lot of sheriffs and, and police chiefs that will not enforce gun laws. They said if that I mean there's been some instances where some some major gun laws have been passed and a lot of them said, No, we're not gonna enforce that. Uh, so, I mean, you know, thankfully we do have some people that understand what the constitution says and they, they notice the violation of that right and say, we're just not going to do that here. Um, it's very few and far between, but it does happen. Well, it does, and you know we need to be able to free be free enough to move to those locations because there's fewer and fewer of them, and uh, there that situation will will continue to happen uh, as long as people are not willing to call their bluff, shall we say. I'm saying Biden is not going to call in the F-15s on a million militia members at the at Mara. I, I'm willing to I'm willing to be one of those million people, and if if he wants to call my bluff, fine. But I'm saying that he won't, and I'm willing to risk my life at this point in life because at some point. We have to be willing to do that because we've already got to the point where the country's been lost to these Marxist assholes. And if we don't stand up soon enough, it, it'll be too late. It's not too late now, but we have to stop playing their game and we have to stop playing their game by their rules that apply only to us. You know, that being, oh, well, you can't do that, but you do it. Oh, well, that's, you know, the the whole George, George Floyd thing. Oh, we're not rioting. We're protesting because of, of decades of 
of abuse and blah, 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 blah. Okay, bull. You know, not one of these people in the streets ever get caught. And not one of these businesses that has been burned down ever owned a slave. So stop it. Yeah, yeah. You know, where's a Republican willing to say that? Well, they've empowered them. They've, they've, uh, they, they've gave them a permission slip to do all that stuff because, again, they do nothing about it. Yeah. They talk. Well, they talk about it. Oh, uh, you know, a whole year's worth of riots and can't believe we had to deal with that and nothing was done. Well, <laughs> you're the actual people that could do something. Right. Yeah. Like, exactly. you know, if, if you leave it up to the citizen, you're going to be like Kyle Rittenhouse in front of a right. jury, uh, you know, because you tried to defend your yourself and, and businesses and, and other stuff because you did nothing. The police did nothing. They were told to stand down and National Guards weren't called in. And uh, I mean, you name it. Well, what's the what's the everyday citizen supposed to do? Sit there and, I don't know, get their ass beat because we saw yeah. business owners get beat up. Um, their homes robbed or their businesses looted. And... and you're told to be okay with that because, oh, you have insurance. <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, that's not the America I grew up in. I mean, we were taught, you know, the law is obey the law. Yeah. Because if not, if you, if you want to play, you're going to pay. Well, how about beginning with standing up enough to say about these decades of maltreatment um why aren't they taking it out on the people who imposed all of that meaning the democrat party who had all those jim crow laws and started the kkk etc 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 well, it's yeah, you know? yeah. It's how it's about being point. at least willing to say that, you know? Yeah, it's a great. You know, point. they're yeah, they I mean, just Joe fall Biden. right into the trap of arguing their argument instead of arguing their own argument. It's like, uh, so a bill was passed uh, under the, uh, the Biden administration, the anti-lynching law. Yeah. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. The Democrats, you know, are, are trying to project that they give a damn. Number one. Number two, when's the last time we've had a lynching in this country? I mean, 100 years ago? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know the answer. But it's yeah, not I'd like... Say we're, we're, we're witnessing one and... Like, like four major cities right now with Trump. I think he's being lynched. Yeah, I, well. But not physically, yeah, like you're talking yeah. about. But I mean, <laughs> the same people who, who created Jim Crow and who were against civil rights for black people and who were the founder of the KKK, th these are the same people who are trying to project that they give a crap. Yeah. And they don't. 
I think Clarence Thomas said it pretty clearly when he was in his confirmation hearings. This is a high-tech lynching. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. Is there racism in the United States? Absolutely. Will there be 50 years from now? You betcha. It's unfortunate. But I'll be honest and say there's reverse racism in this country. You can't just say all white people are racist any more than I can say all black people are racist. Because I'll, I'll tell you this, there are some black people in this country that are racist. And I would, I would go so far as to say they advocate for black supremacy. Now, those, those are extreme cases. But you, you, you know that the Black Panthers were a black supremacy racist organization. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to argue about whether America is racist, go right ahead but it's not only one it's not one-sided so again nobody wants to have a serious conversation about the, that issue no uh because if you're a white male you're automatically put in the racist column anymore it doesn't matter i i don't care if somebody wants to call me racist then you go right ahead i don't care you probably don't know me. I probably do not want to know you. Uh, I certainly don't want to have a conversation with you. Um, so I really could care less. You know, I don't. I don't believe in 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 the labels and and you know, just because somebody disagrees with me, they're racist or they're homophobic or, or I don't believe in that stuff. Yeah, isn't it odd that the people who want to keep putting labels on people are the ones who are saying we shouldn't be using labels? I mean, doesn't that sound it's a little bit limiting? Yeah, it is, isn't it? And ironically, that's part of what you had mentioned a little bit ago with the Hegelian dialectic. I mean, they, they project all this... Uh, all these evil things, you know, onto their their opponents because they don't want people to see them for who they really are. And if you're not capable of weeding through that nonsense, then you're probably going to believe it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're susceptible to the mass formation psychosis and and you hear it so many times and you hear it enough that, yep, they're right. Yeah. Um, back to the insurrection thing, uh, which is where we kind of started. Well, sort of. I I think we need to start our own insurrection. Well, seriously, yeah. So I think in that. the definition, it clearly states the armed resistance of a number of persons to the power of the state. There wasn't a number of armed persons. Well, there weren't any. <laughs> uh, 
trying to overthrow the government. The only person that was armed were the Capitol Police and the, the National Guard when they got there. Police officers that were, you know, on the streets or whatever, and the, and the snipers on top of the building. Um, you could ask Ashley Babbitt that, but she's deceased mm -hmm. because of one of the armed people that happened to be in the Capitol at the time. Uh, which happened to be a police officer, you know, for the Capitol Police. There's, there's never been any charges brought against anybody on January 6th for the possession of a weapon. And so if you go by the definition, an armed resistance, where's the insurrection at? Yeah, there you are, using facts again. Trying to confuse people by using facts. And how do, you, how do you charge a former president with insurrection when he wasn't even armed? Sure, he had a microphone. Big freaking deal. Guess what that gives him? Freedom of speech. Yeah. To believe, to feel, to imagine, uh, and to say whatever he wanted to say. He, he didn't go out and say... Supreme Court Justice uh, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, you are going to reap the whirlwind. Or if you see somebody in a department store or a gas station, get in their face. Tell them they're not welcome anymore. <laughs> he didn't do any of that stuff. So if you're going to use the same bar and... accuse people of certain things, then you have to use it for everyone. Unless it's against the Constitution, then it doesn't count. Yeah. Then it doesn't matter. So if, if Chuck Schumer and Maxie Padwaters has the freedom of speech to go out and say those things, then so does Donald Trump or anyone sure. else for that matter. Now, if you're going to accuse someone of insurrection or inciting violence, then you use the same standard against those people as well, or else it just doesn't count. Shut your mouth and you're dismissed. Yeah. Well, we no longer have equal protection under the law, do we? doesn't seem like it and you know that's you know we hear this uh bull crap on tv and on on social media and the internet and stuff about the existential threat to humanity is climate change i i just disagree i think the existential threat to humanity is humanity Exactly. Yeah. It always has been. I mean, you can look throughout history and and see how many empires have, have crumbled and how many, you know, tribes have disappeared and, uh, you know, 
countries that were overthrown or, or whatever. And it's all been done by man, by humankind. It's not, it's not been wiped out by a tornado or a hurricane or some, some hot summer days. I mean, people kill each other over land and over power and over money. You know, I, I, I just don't, I don't understand how nobody recognizes that these people are pitting us against each other on purpose. And at the same time, they are taking away everyone's rights. Uh, because it all leads to them having complete and total power. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's the, uh, the Hegelian game that the politicians are playing. And we're the ones who lose our freedom. Yeah, the American public is going to be the one that gets shafted again, like every single time something happens. I mean, if you're not going to hold the government accountable for anything, I don't care if it's Donald Trump, Joe Biden, or a, a senator or a congressman, congresswoman, someone that works in the DOJ or the Pentagon. If you're not going to hold people accountable for doing things that they shouldn't be doing and that they're not authorized to do, uh, then so be it. Let the chips fall where they may, but I'll tell you this, it won't be pretty. Not for the not for the citizens. But I think there's uh Ron, I think there's some people out there that are like, well, what's wrong with socialism? You know, what would be so bad about that? You know, I, I think a lot of them are the younger generations. And uh, you know, need that coddling need someone to take care of them, believe that they're entitled to certain things. Well, they've been told that there's nothing to be concerned about, you know? Oh, yeah, they've been raised that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The older people, I mean, people, let's say they're 90, can't even articulate why... Socialism is okay. Well, they can't yet, only... They've witnessed some of the worst things. Yeah, they can't not only articulate what's bad, but they don't even know what the word means. Yeah, it's like they just don't understand that. They think it's like... I don't know what they think, actually. Uh, I, I can't get anyone to articulate it. Well, it's because they don't think... Well, for the well, for the last century, most of them have been to the point where they deny they're even Marxists. I mean, even even Obama was that way. He'd he'd get up and on stage and say, you know, there's there's people actually accuse me of being a Marxist. 
Well, yeah, you are. So. Well, I don't know um, if, you, uh, if you've heard, but you and I had a conversation, I don't know, two or three episodes ago, maybe more, where we had discussed what Obama's role was in Joe Biden's uh, corruption. Yeah. James Comer, the the uh, chairman for the oversight committee, or uh, maybe he's the judiciary. Uh, I think uh, Jim Jordan is the chair of the oversight. Either way, I might have him mixed up. He said, we need to look into what Barack Obama knew as the president at the time when Joe was making these deals and having these conversations. You can't tell me that the vice president has the power, and he even admits it when he says this, to uh, withhold aid to the Ukraine without Barack Obama knowing it. If he knew about that, how, how and this was all set up to, uh, you know, advance business deals for his son, for Joe Biden's son, that he also didn't know about that. Because he'd have to know the reason. You know, what's the reason that you're having the prosecutor looking into the, uh, the company Burisma? And if they don't fire that prosecutor, they don't get the money. You're doing that on my behalf. I want to mm -hmm. know. He, he had to know what the reason was. Right. Because Biden doesn't have that kind of stroke. Uh, he's had several strokes, but... <laughs> He, well, he, he doesn't have that, that kind of power and that kind of stroke to say, I'm going to withhold it because I'm the vice president. He even said in the, in the interview he was doing, I, I told him, bro, you don't think I'm in charge? Because they even question it. You're not in charge. He goes, well, I, I, the president told me to tell you that. If you don't believe him, give him a call. Right. He so, did. <laughs> yeah. So I had brought up, how much of that, how much did he know about what Joe Biden was doing? He had to know quite a bit. Either yeah. that or he's just an ignorant uh, individual who wasn't present. Well, yeah, I, I cannot believe he did not know. I would be, I think where I came down on it is, I can't believe that he didn't know, but I don't know that he didn't know. I don't know that he did know. Um, but I know that he knew about the, the fake Russia deal, uh, the dossier deal, while he was still president. He knew about that. Um, I do know that. So the, the question is, did, how long did he know? Um, so... I, whether I, I can understand why people would think it would be a political kind of a situation, but we need to know what these politicians are doing. I don't care if they're what party they're a part of. Um, if if the son of a president is out there 
uh, strong-arming people running an extortion racket, and the president and vice president are very well aware of it, then that crap's got to stop. I mean, it's got to stop anyway. But if it's going on with a president and a vice president knowing about it and they willingly went along with it, then that's crap. And everyone needs to know about it. And we need to know what, what needs to happen to make sure it never happens again, regardless of what party they're a part of. Because that hurts you and me. It doesn't mm -hmm. hurt a political party that we find out the truth. It hurts us because we don't know the truth. So there again, they're, they're just, they don't care about us. So I, I, I know I've said it before, but it, it's not just Biden. It's how did Hillary run her um, fake foundation scam while she's a secretary of state? How did she rake in whatever it was, 200 million bucks or whatever? Um, selling access to herself? Did may, maybe Obama knew about that? Maybe he did not. I don't know. Just like I don't know what he knew about Hunter's escapades. But he sure as hell should have known. That's why we have 23 intelligence or not very intelligent. Uh, uh, communities, if you want to call them that, communes. Um, we don't have 23 intelligence agencies so that a secretary of state and a vice president can go around making tens of millions of dollars a year off of their office and the president not even be aware of it. I mean, Really, how how ineffective are those intelligence agencies? So were they really, did he not know about it? Is that how bad our intelligence agencies are? Because if they are, it's not just one or two of them that need to be closed down. They all need to be closed down. You know, I'm willing to accept Obama's word on it. He either knew or he didn't know, but he sure as hell should have known. There's no way those two should be making all of that money off of their office and the so-called intelligence community not even tell them about it. He had to have known. Well, it's similar to, uh, you know, the Benghazi nonsense that took place and, and the, yeah. uh, and the uh, Russia collusion hoax. Um, you know, the level of which he was involved or had knowledge of, there is some, some level and some knowledge. What those are, nobody knows. Don't you think even we should if, know? Well, I, yeah, but even if he had little knowledge or knew very little, he still knew about it. He still had knowledge of it. And he's still the president. And he should have been the person to step up and say, hey, you can't do this. I mean, not only is it 
illegal, it's unethical, and I'm the president, and I'm not going to allow it. I mean, you always hear that, oh, that's beneath the, the office of the presidency. Well, if, if he's a, such a great guy, and he was, you know, such a great president, he would have stopped all that crap. He would have looked at Joe Biden and said, you know what, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's a good thing, visually or otherwise, for your son to be going on multiple trips with you to foreign countries. Uh, occasionally, yeah. I mean, you want to be around your family. He's your son. I get it. But he's not a member of our administration. Barack Obama's different. He's the president of the United States. His family's going to be with him a lot of the time even though they're not, uh, you know, part of the administration. They're his family. So I, yeah. get, I get that it's not a crime for Joe Biden's son to be going with him. But he wasn't going with him just to tag along. There was purpose behind his visits with his father. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the intelligence agencies are supposed to be raising red flags about. Yeah, the purpose of, of Barack Obama's wife and kids going with him was because they're his wife and kids. Right. Right? And I understand Joe Biden has a son, but his son is a grown-ass man. And what was his purpose? You know, I mean... He has none. There was no, there's no legitimate reason why his son needed to fly with him to foreign countries. It's not, so I'm trying to differentiate that Barack Obama's wife and kids had a purpose. The purpose was they were his wife and kids. And I travel. When I go, my wife and kids go with me. Now, if I go on a business trip, they don't go. They don't have a purpose. So, and I don't, I don't know if this is a great argument or not. I'm just saying that what was his purpose to go to these places? And if, as far as I'm concerned, he had none. It's not like he was an ambassador or, you know what I mean? He just... He didn't belong there. You know, I can see him if, if he went a few times, but he went almost every single time. Yeah. Or, or more than more than normal. Let me put it that way. Well, enough to where it, you know, it, it stood out. You know, if... Uh, You know, if uh, Donald Trump Jr. was on Air Force One with uh, Trump, it it would be questioned. Why just on one trip it would have happened? You know, and, and that's a president with family. I mean, we all know it would have been questioned. Even though, you know, even though he's family. 
because he's not 12 years old. You know, he's a grown guy. Now, there are some, you know, if you uh, look at it and he's got some relevant reason to, to be on that trip, fine. I, I, I say fine. We not all know that Democrats wouldn't say fine. They'd be, they'd be howling about everything because that's what they do. But if he's got some sort of a, of a purpose, then fine. But if, if Donald Trump Jr. is on every single trip that Donald had taken while he's president, I wouldn't be fine with that because he's, he wasn't uh, elected to serve that role. You know, he, he doesn't have that purpose. So if he wants to get, if, you know, if there's some need for him to go along on some trip, you know, they own a building and it's going to be a, a a refugee center after a hurricane or something. Fine. By all means. Yeah, that helps the situation. If he knows the ambassador to a, uh, some foreign country that they're paying a visit. Okay. But if he's on every single trip and he has no ostensible reason for being there, that that smells. Exactly. And we, yeah. So even if he's with the president, that that's not right. Even if uh, what the son uh, Baron, you know, is uh, Baron's younger. You know, if, even if he's on those kind of trips, it's like, why is this guy always tagging around? Doesn't he have a life, you know? Right. That's what people yeah. would be thinking. Yeah. So, same thing with Hunter Biden. Doesn't he have a life, you know? What the hell's he on every plane trip for? So, yeah, I, I still have to go back to harping on why didn't the intelligence community tell Obama? And I have to think that they did. I really do. I, I can't believe that for, for eight years, they did not, not one person out of 23 agencies ever looked up and say, you know something, Barry? Um, we're a little concerned that this uh, son of of uh, Joey the Clown is on every single plane trip he takes. You know, we can't we can't find any purpose for him serving uh, on any of those trips. Mm -hmm. And we're a little concerned about how it looks. You know, because we've we've got word about uh, unusual activities with these. Uh, Social, you know, these uh, security details and everything, and you know, it's I'm just making stuff up here, but it's obviously would be a lot more detailed than that. But you get the, the point, yeah, is that that's why we have those 23 agencies. I cannot possibly believe that not one of them ever raised this stuff, um, and yet. I'm willing to accept the guy's word. I mean, he's, I'm willing to accept it if, if Obama stands up and says, I had no idea this was going on. No one at CIA, the FBI, anywhere else ever told me 
that Hunter Biden was traveling with Joe. I don't, I'm a busy guy. I don't sit around and watch TV. I had no idea that this was going on. Okay. Call me gullible. I'll, I'm willing to give him that. But he hasn't done that. He's, he certainly had plenty of opportunity to. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I'm him, I, I'd be standing up and saying, I never knew any of this. I think you need to investigate him. If I wish someone would have told me. Yeah. Uh, it's my, I apologize. It was, it's my job. This stuff with Hillary and Joe never should have been going on. I have no idea why the right people didn't tell me about it, but they didn't. I promise you, I knew nothing about it. And I, I encourage uh, all the due diligence possible and necessary to look into this and get to the bottom of it. Uh, it, it happened on my watch. It's my responsibility. I'm sorry. Let's get to the bottom of it. Fine. Okay. That's believable. Yeah, and the only thing that comes out about him... has some integrity about it. Yeah, that? yeah. But but he hasn't done that. Yeah, no, not even close. No. The so only the only two things gets that I the next heard... question though is that like I've brought up before, the next question is has this been going on in other other administrations? Oh you yeah. Know? Yeah, we, we certainly can't chalk this up to this only happened with Democrats in the no. Obama administration. Yeah, I don't believe that either. And, and shouldn't we know that? I mean, maybe it did. Maybe maybe this all did start with them. Maybe it did not. But that's the whole reason you have a congressional inquiry, right? Just oh, yeah. Because we need to know. Did, did uh, what's his name, uh, the heartless guy that worked for Bush, uh, Dick Cheney. <laughs> I wanted to say Lon Cheney. <laughs> Um, Lon Chaney was a much better actor. Uh, maybe, maybe that's how uh, that screwball daughter of his got to be such a screwball. Maybe, maybe she was on all these plane trips and got super wealthy putting deals together. I mean, I'd like to know. Just saying, you know, I think we should know about that. All of us should. Um, and if not, if he's as squeaky clean as the the ivory soap girl who happened to be Marilyn Chambers, by the way. Um, maybe that wasn't so squeaky clean. Um, you know, we ought to know about this stuff, regardless of the parties. So where's the integrity of it all, I guess, is where I'm coming from, is uh, it's, it's our country. We we have a right to expect more from these assholes than we're getting, and we, by God, we ought to know what's going on. And this whole business of not looking into it is bullshit. Well, and that's um, just a, that's just another example of what we've talked about numerous numerous times on this show is that the government is not local, state, and federal is not doing their jobs. Um, and you're mentioning not looking into, uh, you know, the role or possible, you know, knowledge of Obama. Um, we've mentioned that with uh, 
with the election. Right. And uh, a new memo has surfaced where Michigan authorities suspected there was a possible voter registration fraud scheme occurring across multiple states during the 2020 election. They brought it to the FBI, according oh. to these memos. But what happened after that <laughs> is a mystery. So according to dozens of pages of police reports from the Muskegon Police Department and Michigan State Police, uh, a firm called GBI Strategies was under scrutiny as an organization central to alleged voter registration fraud in the 2020 election. So it was first investigated by the city and uh, state. And then the FBI took over. Um, so there was contact between state and local government and the FBI all the way um, into 2022. But there's no evidence of what happened after that in the, memo, in the memos. Gee. Did they just spike the deal? Well, again, we, we always have to endure uh, there was no fraud or there was no widespread fraud or there wasn't enough fraud to, to overturn the election. And you just have to take their word for it because they have not proven that there wasn't fraud. But you run across these stories over and over and over and over again that actually have some basis to them that proves that there was fraud. But you don't hear about it in, in the mainstream, the mass media, on social media. You don't hear about that. Like these stories are back page stories. When people like us, all we want to know is the truth. So the Michigan Attorney General's Office confirmed earlier this month that there was a state investigation into thousands of suspected fraudulent voter registrations, which was referred to the FBI. Uh, so uh, the... Secretary of State, Attorney General, said that among eight to 10,000 voter registration forms were submitted to the Muskegee clerk, Muskegon clerk before the 2020 general election that were suspected to be fraudulent. Um, in Do you know what the population there is? No, I, I haven't. Uh, I haven't looked that up. Nor does it say. That just sounds like a pretty significant number for something that's not a major metro area. Um, so this this organization, GBI Strategies, has claimed that, and this is it. This is all they do. They claim. Or they say 
that um, it had no effect on any ballot requests or associated processes. This attempt of fraud was detected because the system worked. How do we know that? Yeah. Because all you're doing is saying that. You have no, you have no tangible proof other than we have to take your word for it. And that's what's gotten this country into the mess that it's in today is because we sit back and we take everybody's word for it from, from Hillary Clinton to Barack Obama to Donald Trump to Dr. Fauci uh, to any congressman or senator. We just take their word for it, that they are, that they are upstanding citizens and are telling us the truth every time they open their mouth. But we all know that they lie. Most of the time, 99.9% of the time, they are lying. Because if they, if, they, if they happen to tell the truth, it's probably going to get them into some serious trouble. So just like this person that represents this group, um, she's not going to say, oh, yeah, you know what? It's possible. It's very possible because it's going to make her and her organization look bad to admit that, yeah, there, there was possibly eight to 10,000 ballots that we know of or, or fake registrations that we know of. What's that going to do? That's going to raise more questions mm -hmm. because they said that they, they had found that this was in multiple states. <laughs> not just in Michigan. Right. So they're certainly not going to announce that because that would prove, dare I say, Donald Trump right, that there was actual fraud that occurred in the 2020 election. Well, yeah, there was. I think, I think it's just a question of what kinds of fraud and how much of it was there and aren't there a lot of fraudulent potentially fraudulent situations that that we ought to know about you know like in this situation they're saying okay it's a thing whatever okay that they know that because the system worked. okay how much fraud was there that we don't know about because the system didn't didn't proceed further. They didn't go beyond the election day and look back and say, okay, how much fraud was there that we, we didn't find out within the system? Because that's how you avoid it next time. Well, they don't do that. So it, it just leaves them open to these, the claims that have been going on of of fraud, because we all know fraud fraud happens in every election. It's just really a, a matter of how much was there, and and how how did they commit fraud? Was it by mail? Was it by uh, voting on someone else's ballot? Was it a fake registration? You know what was the fraud? And if you don't have a way that you can audit who should be voting, then 
then you're leaving yourself open to not ever being able to figure out. You can never prove that you had a legitimate election. Oh, it gets better. So, <laughs> um, this was all obtained through FOIA, which I had mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Because we can't, they, again, they're covering this up. Like this, this all came out due to a FOIA request. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. So the Muskegon Police Department started investigating GBI strategies uh, after the city clerk office reported suspected voter registration fraud. The city clerk's office said that a woman who dropped off the fraudulent voter registrations on October 8th, 2020, said she worked for GBI Strategies, according to police reports. The police interviewed her, and they call her Suspect One. And in the report, she admitted that she received $1,150, a week, $1,150 a week, hotel services and a rental vehicle for the work that she was doing. She also said she was tasked with finding unregistered voters and provide them with a form so they can get registered and, and obtain their ballot. This is in the police report. Uh... She initially said that her canvassers earn money for each person that completes the form. Uh, And she, uh, uh, in the report, it said that she worked in the Muskegon, Detroit. I don't know how to say that word. Salanti, first letter is a Y. Um, Salanti? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Southfield, Flint, and Lansing area. That's a that's a big part of Michigan. Yeah, like the biggest part, <laughs> like the biggest cities. <laughs> um. So she, uh, she in the police report, she claimed that the forms she had with her were complete and checked for accuracy. But when the police inspected some of the forms, they found instead that some of the addresses didn't exist or had incomplete information. These are the things that Trump was claiming. Some of the things. Um... That's that's pretty much the gist of it, and and mm-hmm. pretty much all we need to know. That fraud happened, and nobody wants to prove that it didn't. They just come out and say, "Oh, it it, it didn't happen." 
and you have to take our word for it. And yet, this is one instance of it. One person got paid 1100 bucks a week, right? How many other people were? Yeah, how many other people were doing this? Yeah, and, uh, you know, it kind of concerns me now um, with voting that we, you know, I know we have poll watchers and we have, uh, you know, officials on site. But some of these people that volunteer and some of these people that work, you know, counting ballots and stuff, there's not only corruption in our government, there's corruption in the citizens as well. Sure. Yeah. And, and you, you, you cannot convince me that some of these people are not political activists or, or are for one side or the other. And that some of them may be doing something they shouldn't be doing when it comes to an election. I mean, they're, if they're doing anything, they're committing a federal crime. But who's actually who's actually really supervising these people? Well, it's supposed to be the states because technically the states are are running their own elections, even in the federal situation. Yeah, because they have their own election laws in their states. Mm-hmm. I I'm not a fan of anyone I mean, other than you know I, I'm not a fan of these. Uh, volunteers out there registering people to vote yeah no that's my point and and i mean we saw a video of you know polling stations putting up cardboard boxes so people couldn't see inside what are you covering up i mean it's an election they're open they're open and free elections if i want to go into a polling station and stand there for the whole day there's no law that says i can't as long as i'm not campaigning or, or wearing a, you know, Trump shirt or a Biden shirt or disrupting people voting. I can stand there and observe as long as, I mean, if I want to stay there for five days, I can. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't have to technically be hired by the state uh, to, to view. Yeah, to be an observer. To be, yeah, I don't have to be a... a, a credentialed, you know, poll watcher. Yeah, there's usually some sort of credentialing involved to ensure that there is sufficient volunteers but to I, do it. Yeah, but, no, I, I, but I mean, I know there are rules. So you can't campaign, yeah. you can't video, you can't take pictures, whatever. But I can stand there and observe if I want to. Well, you ought to be able to, in my opinion. But I, I'm going to have to look that up because yeah. um, it's not something that that is a. It's not widespread that people do have have Well, I, I'm not saying that I would want to. I know. All, all I'm all I'm saying is. Uh, there's there's probably some people that need to be watched. Well, there are, and, and I and I guess what what comes to mind is is if you wanted to do that, what's the first thing someone says is, "Where's your mask?" You know, 
Have you had your COVID vaccination? You know, that's what all that was about with this COVID bullshit was a way to control who had access to what, who, limiting the, the numbers of people who could do whatever. You know, that was, it was all about, you know, controlling who got to see what. So I, I'm surprised we got to, we learned what we did learn. Well, this is disturbing, and you're right. It's, it varies from state to state. But like, for instance, in Arkansas. <laughs> oh, my God. I, it's, I, it's hard to even freaking say this. In Arkansas, they only allow partisan poll watchers to observe at polling locations. That's a problem in and of itself. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And I think that's that's kind of very common. Um, and I've not I've not really found anything um, when it comes to just a citizen, you know, because these are yeah. these are actually poll watchers. Yeah, because they they have to be a partisan. It's like you have to be a Republican or a Democrat. Just being a citizen isn't good enough. Thinking. That sounds like a pretty big uh, infringement on liberty there. So I, I just think that's bull, but it, it's just, it, it just illustrates how far the political parties have gone to only allowing themselves into the conversation. Yeah, I just find that. I, <laughs> conversation. Yeah, I find that disturbing that. Uh, yeah. It is. That only partisan. <laughs> Isn't that something? It's crazy to me. And I, I mean, I know a, a little bit of, about some things, but absolutely had no clue about that. And that's probably something that a lot of people don't know. Yeah, you're probably right. And yet, why why not make it public? You know, why not have more and more people know that? Um, I mean, I get it. An awful lot of people have checked out of the system. They're like, yeah, I'm not seeing. Yeah. I'm not seeing anything that says I I can't. Um. But basically, it says partisan poll watchers and challengers play a role in election transparency throughout the nation. How does a partisan, <laughs> how does someone who's partisan not want things to go in their favor, right or left? Yeah. So basically, what they're saying is they're partisan. But they are there to ensure that their party has a fair chance of winning an election. <laughs> yeah. That's and, so and there, ridiculous. Usually there has to be a certain number of each. Yeah. You know, not, not, not necessarily five and five, but, you know, at, at least two and not more than five, whatever. You know, there's, there's, they get into the weeds on it. 
so that, you know, they can have an all-Democrat precinct. Uh, I mean, all-Democrat poll watchers if they want to, but one of the 10 observers has to be a Republican. You know, something like that. And it's like, that's still BS, you know. I get where they're coming from. They want to make sure there's a uh, there's a representation of poll watchers of, of both parties. I, I get that. But why on earth does someone have to be a partisan? Why is there not an also a provision for people who are not partisan? <laughs> you want to hear Kansas? Uh, so, so Kansas requires poll watchers to be registered voters unless the poll watcher is a member of the candidate's family or if the poll watcher is 14 to 17 years old and meets all other requirements for being a registered voter except age. That's it. Yeah. So based on what I'm reading, it doesn't seem like uh, anyone from the general public can just go in there and, you know, uh, even observe, it, it sounds to me. Yeah, there's someone who, there'll be someone there who wants to know who you are, why you are there. You've got to have some sort of credential, yeah. Well, they, I mean, poll watchers, and when I say, I, I, I don't I want to make a distinction here. I don't want to be an election poll watcher because they have to go through training and get, you know, all this other nonsense. But if I go to vote and I cast my ballot, what's to prevent me from staying there for an hour or two, uh, you know, to make sure just for my own peace of mind to make sure no shenanigans are happening. Mm -hmm. And apparently, um, I mean, I've seen some things uh, where, you know, people have done that and they were told they couldn't be there, but it's a public place. Uh, and mostly the reasons that they were told they couldn't be there was because they were videotaping or they were carrying a sign or wearing a specific person's shirt, like a Biden or, or whatever, mm -hmm. a specific candidate's shirt. So I know you can't do that. Um, but other than that, it's a public place. How, how would you be prevented from, like I said, for an hour or two just standing there? Well, and again, not would, that I would want to. I'm just saying, I'm, you know, we have these so-called poll watchers and all these people that volunteer and, you know, partisan poll watchers included, that we are putting our trust in these people with our votes. And then they, they and then that, that they can be legitimately trusted. Um, this last election was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen, like what I mentioned before, putting up cardboard boxes so people couldn't see in and throwing yeah. people out and telling poll watchers to get lost. It's like, 
When I've never heard of that happening. Yeah, they really push the boundaries there. Oh, that sounds very Hegelian, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 They got away with it, that which is all that counts. Well, people have to understand that they're being played. And they're they're also being forced to play by the opposition's rules that don't apply to their opposition. They're they're playing someone else's game and they're making up the rules that you have to play by. Um, and yet people aren't outraged about it. No, and it's anything I've ever even heard of. And when it comes to the constitution, it's clearly laid out. And the way that they just ignore the constitution anymore, it's like, Either people are, 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 like I said, just numb to everything or they just don't understand or have never read the Constitution. I, I don't have any other answer for it. Yeah, it's not that... It's Man, it's a pretty darn easy document to understand. I just don't understand why people are so willing to sign away their freedom. They won't, won't stand up. Even, hell no, I won't wear this mask. You know? Yeah. Seriously. They, and uh, hell no, you're not going to tell me what, what's best for my health care. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll let a licensed medical doctor tell me that. And, and one that I've been seeing for 15 years yeah. before I'm going to let some politician tell me to go get, you know, 25 shots. Well, what the hell do you know about my health? I'm not really interested in what you have to say. That's not your role. I have someone in my life that plays that role. It's certainly not you. And I, I would say that to Donald Trump or Joe Biden or anybody else in the government. I, I'm just not willing to put my life in your hands. Hell, you've killed more people than, you know, I care to even think about based on your well, stupid decisions. Yeah. It's just that that's how bureaucracies work, is you wind up arguing with the ticket agent at the airline. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It, it's like... Try winning that argument. You're either getting on the plane or you're not. And if you don't want to follow their rules, then then they're going to have security come and escort you away and take up, uh, I don't know, several days or years of your time. Um, that's just how much power they have, and they don't seem to mind wielding it, and we don't have enough people willing to argue about it. Um, even if... Even if this whole masking thing or whatever you want to, the whole overreaction to COVID, even if that was legitimate, I mean, let's say it was another Black Death, like the Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. There's a way to respond to the Black Death of the Middle Ages that's constitutional, that preserves your freedoms. There are ways to do all of that. But they 
they used the whole COVID scam to violate the Constitution in every single way they could just to see what they could get away with. And it worked. Everything they did worked. You know, I still have yet to find anyone who received due process or just compensation for having to close their business. Even though they had to close their business for arbitrary reasons. In some cases, like the like the gym that you know they didn't want to close down in New Jersey or whatever. That's arbitrary and, and capricious. They were never, they never received due process. They never received compensation. I, I've never even heard a rumor of an a of a business receiving compensation for having to close. I mean, $700 or whatever isn't compensation for having to close your business. It's not compensation for not being able to work for nine months or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just not. No one could ever just state that that is just compensation. Maybe it's a compensation, but it's very minimal. So, but there, there are ways they could, they could have closed the whole economy down if they wanted to, uh, and done it constitutionally by, by providing due process. You know, if you've got a, a legit point, then, then you can win your due process hearing. You know, you can have, you can have people listen to your argument and say, okay, it's very obvious to us that you know, the, the state government or what have you, the Senate, if it's a federal thing. You know, it's very obvious this is something that ought to be allowed and we will grant you uh, your request or what have you. Uh, now, next thing on the agenda is how you're going to compensate people. And you, you treat it just like it was uh, economic damages if it was uh, a lawsuit. You know, you're not allowed a business to uh, open up and they uh, they gross uh, average of a million dollars a month. And their expenses run a half million a month. So uh, you, you need to be giving them a million dollars a month. And then they, those people have to pass on their expenses to the people they usually pay, their landlord, the utility company, what have you. You have to do that to every business. You know, you have to set your criteria enough. Well, what's the problem with that? Oh, well, that it costs so much money. Well, yeah, that's the trade-off for, for having a free society. If you want to impose some restriction on freedom, then the Constitution says you've got to give them due process. If you win your point, fine, then you have to do just compensation. Well, no one got that. Pretty big thing to ignore. Yeah. So, you know, they just, they got away with it. I mean, it, there's no, there's no, nothing in the Constitution about, um, uh, what's that called? Uh, when something expires, like, 
uh, you have to have to file charges within a certain time period or uh, can no longer do that. Uh, statute of limitations. There's no statute of limitations in the Constitution about due process and equal just compensation. No, there's nothing about uh, statute of limitations about uh, equal justice under the law either. So, why are people out there pushing back on all? Well, remember uh, one of the episodes we did that um, I played uh, the sound from a, a crisis, a COVID crisis uh, practice. Where in, I think it was in 2018 that they made a, a video regarding COVID-19 and and how it was like a it was like a a, a run through of what was going to happen and how they were going to yeah um, I don't remember the name of the video um, but isn't that crazy? They already had a name for it. They already knew, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be like really not that good, you know, when it actually occurs. And they went through the whole scenario. Lockdown. Isn't that the one that you're talking about that came out of uh, Switzerland? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and you can't find it anymore. Not that I've been able to. I I can't find it. I would imagine that as soon as that came out, it was was taken down for misinformation or disinformation <laughs> or one of them one of them disses. Uh, but all it was was a a training operation. But it was so uh, almost identical to what happened when COVID actually came out that I'm sure people were like, wait a minute here, something's not, this just doesn't jive. And, uh, you know, that's one of those things where they went, oh, we need to take that down. Mm -hmm. We don't want to, we don't want to let them know we were planning this or, or we knew it was going to happen eventually. And I, I don't even know if they were planning it. I think that that COVID-19, you know, with gain-of-function research, uh, was something that they developed. And it accidentally got out. You know? Well, but I think it, the United States had know. knowledge that, that 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 COVID strain uh, existed. They were, they were funding it, you know, in, with the China lab in Wuhan. And, um, you know, knew, knew everything that there was about it. They didn't know that it, yeah, I, I mean, they didn't know, you know, a, a treatment for it or anything like that because they didn't expect it to actually be uh, accidentally released. And neither yeah, did China. Yeah. Well, there's a school of thought, though, that China intentionally released. Well, it's possible. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, what what I don't like. I don't is think the fact we'll ever know the answer. 
Not now, no. It's because the, you know, they they've obviously gotten rid of uh, any evidence that existed, and they needed to be there within, uh, well, I would say within a week, of when this all happened. And uh, there was so much political pushback in this country that there's no way Trump could have uh, forced China to uh, allow inspectors in there and do whatever they needed to do to find out what was going on. And yet, you know, I, I've told you, I think you probably even saw it. I posted something on Facebook on the origin of where it came from the couple and uh, video and all that stuff and uh, Facebook uh, took it down and I got a whatever, some kind of a warning or whatever that I, you know, uh, I, I fought back and I won. They had to reinstate me, but it's like, you know, you can't disprove what I posted as disinformation when it's true. So, you know, and, and that came from someone in the, in the intelligence world. Mm-hmm. So, they, someone ought to be asking me how about how I got it. You know? <laughs> that's, I, I think that would be the first concern most of those folks would have is, how did this guy? Who, who is this? Who's this yeah, guy? You know, when I was in, when I was in the military, I was in military intelligence, and we always used to get hell amongst ourselves and from you know tank divisions and infantry divisions and stuff. And they just they'd say that's a contradiction in terms. It is. <laughs> and I I am saying that our intelligence agency is a contradiction in terms. Yeah. Our agencies are a contradiction in terms because it doesn't exist. And I hate to admit it. Uh, you know, there were, <laughs> there were a lot of occasions where military intelligence didn't exist either. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know. But that was basically how um, OSS, uh, later the CIA, developed was out of the old military intelligence folks. Um, It's just really odd what a a dichotomy it really is that, you know, they said supposedly they're doing X and they're doing Y and they're so unreliable. It's like the point I try, I keep harping on with respect to did no one tell Obama, Hillary, and Joey the Clown were out there raising money off of their office? Did did no one in the intelligence world say anything to him? I mean, maybe they didn't. I, that's a but problem. It, well, so but it, what so is that based we, on? What what, what what do you mean? What 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 is it based? What is their their reasonable um excuse is it because they're so they're 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 all activists and they're so partisan i mean is is there more to it than just that i mean if they're overlooking you know crimes being committed or potential crimes or 
you know, corruption, is it solely because they're political? You know, they're they're on one political side or the other, or is there something more to that? It can't be just out of sheer hate, hatred. Well, th that's actually a really good question, and I don't have a pat answer for you because I don't know the answer. Um, is it just that they're all Marxists? Well, I mean, because. Listen. What, what happens is, I think, personally, that uh, let's use the, the whole cocaine thing, the cocaine and the White House. Let's just use that as an example. They know who that was, meaning Secret Service knows who that was. If they don't, then they they all need to get fired because that kind of crap doesn't happen without a camera on it and the ability to track who was there where they came from what were they who who they were with they have to know that meaning secret service has to know who who left that cocaine where it was whether it's illegal or not, if it's a billful and it turned out missing, they have to be able to tell you, oh, that was this guy here with AT&T. He stopped at that desk, made a phone call, and see, there it is coming out of his jacket, and boom. So, you know, you send a couple of people over and talk to him about his billfold and make sure that all the boxes are checked off and he gets his wallet back. It's just how it works. Well, um, I mean, I can guarantee you that the White House has some of the best technology that you can get anywhere in the world. And yeah. it's all over that place. Yeah. So It's not like watching a grainy video of some dude walking into a convenience store and, and pulling a pistol. No, that's all HD. This yeah. is all HD. Yeah, they... So there's there's things I don't I don't know about. I mean, for all I know, they've got a you know the the visitor pass they get maybe has a chip in it. Maybe they can track you. I, I mean, who knows what kind? I of wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, that place. Yeah, yeah, there's sure. kind of all kinds of things. So it's not like they know absolutely everything, but they know darn near close. They know who dropped a, a bag of cocaine. So. There's no way anyone can convince me that they don't know who that person was. So under my theory, they know who it was and they decided they did not want to make that public. Right. And, and I think it's the same way with um, tracking down uh, Hunter Biden and... Uh, his his scheme with uh, money making with Joey the clown and with Hillary Clinton making money off of being secretary of state. I think the intel agencies went to Obama early on. They said, we're picking up X, Y, Z. And uh, maybe it went on for a while and there was follow up. Maybe they were told to just drop it. But at some point, they, they all knew, because they have to know, that 
these activities were ongoing. There's there's a record of where Hunter Biden went with Joe and who he saw, what he did, uh, who were the uh, who was the security detail with him? Because the the son of the vice president doesn't go on somewhere, let's say to Mali and go off on his own and no one knows where he was. No, he's got a security detail. They know who was on it. They know what they saw. And uh, if they don't, those people are fired or, or they're, well, or are they're they... doing another job. Well, so... is that the answer that they're intimidated into uh, your career or will be over? Or is it, does it go much further than that? And they're afraid that they're not going to be alive for much longer. Because you can't convince me either that everyone in every bureaucracy is part of the deep state. There's got to be, you know, we have come to an agreement between you and I on this program that the rank and file of the FBI is not so glorious. They're not all, all they're cracked up to be. We, you can't convince us that there aren't, you know, there isn't corruption and people that are lying and doing whatever. But yeah, there's got to be. But there's got to be. assume they're all corrupt. Man, that's a hard pill to swallow. But I, I, I'm. That's part of my question: is is that literally mm -hmm. what the American people are having to deal with now? Is that it is it is just all corrupt people? And we have nobody in, in our government body at all that isn't compromised in some way, shape, or form. And that they all look out for each other and damn the citizens. Well, I hate to say it, but I think that's what we have to do. Because if you, if you go in, you know, you're the new sheriff in town. And you start running into a few anomalies. You have to assume everyone is against you until you're convinced otherwise. Uh, the alternative is you're dead. So you have to choose your allies very carefully. And the way you know who your allies are is they're the ones who turn somebody in. They're the whistleblower. They're the, they're the FBI agent who uh, arrested a fellow agent for doing something. How many how many times has that happened that we know of? Well, that's None. that's that's part of my question. So we have the two yeah. whistleblowers from the IRS who came out and said, "Hey, this is not right. None of this is right. None of this is accurate. Everything that you're hearing is untrue." And here's our proof. There's only two people. Now I, I understand it's the the. Uh, they they investigate the a specific area of tax crime. Like they're a specific, you know, like they have their own entity. And there's sure. only a certain amount of people that work in that particular portion of the entirety of the IRS. But there's re really two people, that's it? Or maybe there was 20 and only two of them had the balls to stand up and say, hey, we have to make this public. Um, if you go back and you and you watch their testimonies, they both said they, they were in fear of, you know, their careers being ended over this. 
Of course. Um, So is that the answer? Or is it bigger than that? I mean, I can't. Uh, The answer is I don't know. I I think that the, the thing is, is that we need to be asking the question and demanding the answers. Uh, that's what I think Congress or a citizens committee needs to be doing. Um, because we've all been relying on Congress to be looking out for us. And that's what they do is, oh, I'll fight for you. Blah, 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 blah. And then right when it comes time to pull the trigger, they're like, I don't know if it's in our best interest. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't remember hearing anything coming out of Nancy Pelosi's mouth about. I don't think it's in our best interests to do this. Yeah. Nope. 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 That was well. Nothing. I don't. I don't think I've ever heard anybody in the House or the Senate say, you know. This may not be in our best interest politically, but as far as the citizens in the country go, it's in their best interest to find the truth. Yeah. No, I think because it's all about them. Yeah. Everything. uh, Last time I heard that was basically during the Watergate era. Yeah, it's basically all about them. Yeah. It has nothing to do with with the everyday citizen. Or, or somebody that isn't involved in, uh, you know, the government, state, local, or federal. Yeah. Uh, well, to get to the answer to the question that you're asking, it's basically the same process as we were talking about with respect to uh, auditing elections. We really have to be able to audit these agencies and understand uh why those guys were afraid to come forward and is that going on with everyone well and or i think maybe with it's- everyone else if there's 20 people in that department and they're the only ones to come forward and they were afraid what about the other 18 what do we know about them are they corrupt maybe so uh, that's a pretty bad place to be but if that's the truth then it's the truth if if it's not the truth and it's something else let's find out what the something else is but the the problem is is we have a government that is rotting and we have no idea why we've got a barrel of rotten apples and we don't know why they're rotting and unless we go in and, and find out, then we're never going to get answers. And, and we're going to continue throwing good money after bad and continue getting screwed. And, uh, you know, just sitting around and complaining. Well, I'll put it in a nastier way. Is that they're all standing above us. And they all have a bad case of diarrhea. Yeah. And and we just we're just standing there getting shit on. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time to let the cat out of the bag and and what our one of our proposed ideas is. Which is state militias. And these 
whether you call it Judicial Watch or ACLJ or whatever. But I mean, we organize and we have state militias that investigate beyond what the investigators are doing. And, and we have our own, mm -hmm. you know, uh, force of people. And it consists of, you know, people who want the truth. Yeah. Um, and you and I have discussed multiple times that the militia doesn't necessarily mean that we walk around with guns and, you know, machetes right. and, and all this other stuff. We're just a group of people, whether it be veterans, mm -hmm. you know, retired police officers, uh, you know, anybody that, that wants to know what is going on in our country, what our government is doing, what they're getting away with, and how they're crapping all over us. And, and we, you know, we go out and we investigate stuff because the media is not doing it. Yeah, it's like having to build on what you kind of started this with was there's no reason why militias can't have military intelligence. Yeah. I mean, they have to. I mean, that's how, that was really kind of what a militia was responsible for doing, was knowing the neighbors. And, uh, you know, who's a Tory and who isn't? You know, who's going to be loyal to the king if we have, if the, if the crap hits the fan, who's going to be loyal to the king? Who do we have to watch? And who isn't? That's something a militia would need to know. So there's no reason that, you know, your militia intelligence people have to be armed. You know, they can be. Um, I mean, we're just spitballing this as an idea, but um, why get put in the corner where the Marxists have put us all and make everything about the Second Amendment and militias be, oh, there's those guys wanting to carry their gun around. It, that's not what militias are. They're, they're basically a neighborhood watch group on steroids. They know everything that's going on in the neighborhood. They know who the people are. They know who to watch. They know who runs the drug outfit, the, the drug house, whatever. That's prostitution, the uh, the good folks who uh, clean their driveway off of snow and one other, you know, they're great neighbors. They know who all these people are. So that if anything does hit the fan, then they know who their friends are and who they aren't. So that they can effectively defend their their neighborhood or their county or whatever the case may be. So it doesn't have to be about carrying a gun. That was never the intention of militias. It was how neighbors look out for one another. Mm -hmm. So I think that redefining, defining a militia, redefining a militia is a well, really, I, really good conversation. I'll shock a bunch of people. A neighborhood watch group is a militia yeah and they're all over the place yeah i mean that that's basically what they are so the word militia has just been twisted into this you know oh my gosh it's a, a you know a group of rednecks with guns that want to overthrow the government 
<laughs> because that's that's what they've been uh, conditioned yeah. to believe, and that's not exactly. It's not anywhere yeah. close. No, it's not true. To what the, it's like the meaning. It's of like who started is. that? Who started that idea? Well, I guarantee you it was a Marxist. It wasn't a militia member. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. It, it stop allowing these people to define who we all are. Stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, neighborhood watch groups are great ideas. Some areas, you know, we don't need a neighborhood watch group around here because we don't really have a neighborhood. Right. It's this farm, this farm, you know. Yeah, uh, they, they watch all, their we own. We all watch out for one another. <laughs> yeah. They do, yeah. yeah. Yep. If I see smoke coming from over there and I know Tony wasn't planning on burning today, I'm over there, mm-hmm. you know, with something to help, uh, plus a phone in case I need to call someone. You know, yeah, it's it, like where I live. what you do. It's like yeah. where I live. I mean, I have a, a close neighbor, but then everybody else is, you know, acres and acres apart but i mean i have their numbers and stuff and i mean they've called me and said hey i had a package delivered um but i don't want my dog to chew it up can you go you know put it inside the garage <laughs> seriously yeah I'm, i know yeah. yeah would you go put it in my garage or up on the you know the deck or whatever yeah i'll do it right now of course uh cattle yeah. get out i'm over there herding freaking the neighbor's cattle i mean that's what you do and that's, that's right. kind of a neighborhood watch. It is. You know, even it's, though it's, it's not less, really a neighborhood. It's but less you, formal. Yeah, it's it, you're watching out for your neighbors. I don't know how many times the neighbor's uh, outdoor alarm went off, and, and I'd call them and say, hey, your alarm's off. I don't know if you're home. It's been going off for a while. Uh, just wanted to let you know. Oh, I, well, I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and, that's being a good neighbor. Well, and, that's not... That's not being a militia member who's who has to carry their gun around. Yeah, exactly. No, you're being a good neighbor. And Mm -hmm. it's like, why, you know, just sitting here talking, I'm like, why wouldn't I consider floating this idea to my neighbors and saying, you know, why don't we have a blah, 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 militia here or a neighborhood watch or whatever, just to be more formal. I don't know. Everyone around here is so independent that, you know, they look sideways at you if you want to organize anything that's that is uh, working just fine. The way yeah, is. right. <laughs> well, but but we know, at least you and I know, that nothing we experience when it comes to our government, and again, I'll say local, state, and federal, is in working order. No, and. I think, for the most part, the vast majority of the general public does not care. And I think that if you were to to start an organization like that, uh, whether it be in one state or, or all 50, that you would have certain individuals that would say, hey, you know what, this is a great opportunity, it's a great idea, and yeah, let's get to the bottom of stuff that, that we know we aren't getting the truth on. So we seek it out ourselves. And, and I, you know, I don't want to 
pull a page from Obama, but, you know, pen and paper could be sometimes mightier than a, a weapon. Yeah. And, and, and investigating and finding out the truth is far more powerful than just walking down the street and, you know, randomly shooting. I mean, that's an idiotic idea to begin with. Well, I, and I think it benefits the, the country more if we have 5,400 of Biden's pseudonym emails to look. Well, that's you what know? I'm saying. I mean, you know, and it benefits us all to know, well, why on earth did uh, Hunter Biden make uh, X number of trips with Joey? And uh, what was his purpose on all these trips? And why didn't the intelligence communities not tell Obama about what kind of grifting plan uh, Hillary had? Or did they tell him? Those are all pen and uh, paper deals. There's nothing about carrying a gun there. But, but I guess my point earlier with a million people armed showing up at the, NR, at the NARA offices, that is a militia that's armed. And it's like, well, you can either respond to the pen and paper or you can respond yeah. to the militia that shows up. Mm -hmm. Which one do you want? That's, that's what they already did with the, the justices on the Supreme Court when it came time to overturn Roe v. Wade. They're basically saying, you know, uh, here, here's these people outside your houses. You sure you want to vote against this? Yeah. You know? Because you know what they did to Wisconsin, or you know what they did to St. Louis, or whatever. You know, it, it's not even a veiled threat. It's like, you know what these people would do. You know, do you want to be torn to pieces? Uh, they had no problem with threatening, threatening Supreme Court justices, yeah. and yet they want to go after a justice for making money on a book or whatever. I don't know. Um, you know, it's out of whack. And I'm like, maybe a million people showing up at NARA to say, um, we're going to be needing those, uh, email. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, you know, let's say it's eight o'clock in the morning. Um, we're going to be needing to pick those up about four 30 this afternoon. And, uh, You'll see some of us coming and going all day long, but we're not going anywhere. You know, we got to go have lunch right now, and but we're going to be back here, and uh, you you got until four thirty to have them all here waiting for us. I mean, where's the FBI and, at? Why can't they raid Nara and, and and just go get them? Well, exactly. And here's another question. How do well, we know it's only 5,400? That's just a number no. that they claim that they have. That's How do we know it wasn't exactly. 15,000 and they haven't destroyed all the other ones? Yeah. I mean, this it's just like, gives them them time to to do whatever like, they want to do. Like 30,000 emails. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't announce to the criminal that you're, you know, like if a bank is being robbed. You know, a lot of times the police officers go in there silent. You know, they're not driving up screeching tires with their, you know, uh, sirens blaring and all that stuff. I mean, that, that used to be the practice. I don't know if it still is. But, I mean, you don't announce to the criminal that you're going to, like they did with Hunter 
and his uh, storage unit. Hey, by the way, we're gonna we're gonna be showing up on you know the fifteenth to to inspect your uh, your storage unit. Who does that? Someone who doesn't want to find That's it. That's my point. I mean, you don't you don't allow these people to have time to destroy yeah. shit. Yeah. Exactly. Not if you're really legitimately looking for the truth. So, you know, in keeping with the theory of a, of a militia intelligence operation, they don't need to be armed. I, I don't know why they shouldn't be. I mean, a lot of people in neighborhood watch groups are not armed. Yeah. And then we'll, uh, I had a secretary a long time ago who was a, a neighborhood watch captain for the, for the all I don't know. She was quite proud of it. Um, <laughs> and and she carried a gun all the time, but she was also a, uh, had gone through police officer training mm. and was uh, at some point, uh, I think maybe a part time I've forgotten now, but uh, at any rate, she was very active in neighborhood watch and sadly um, her husband murdered her. Oh, wow. Yeah. Killed her and then killed himself. Oh, wow. This was in Colorado Springs a couple decades ago. Um, you know, just a really sad situation. But, uh, you know, not everyone in uh, Neighborhood Watch is armed. I, I think my observation is darn few are. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're really there to, they're, they're doing the whole role of, if you see something, say something. You know, that's really kind of how it got started. But you're right. Those yeah, they're kind of like a security guard where they observe and report. I mean, they're not yeah. they're not there to stir any trouble or get involved in, you know, something that maybe could get them, you know, injured or killed. Right. They're trying to give a heads up yeah. to the cops. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think we need more of that, not less. I think it's a great way to build rapport between police and neighbors. Um, police used to know, uh, like the, the people who'd walk the beat, they would know who the kids were who were gonna be problems long beforehand. They knew those areas really well. Um, but police are not integrated with the communities any longer. Well, and I think Even, that's another point, another great point is that we need, we need more interaction and less, uh, self-segregation or group segregation or, um, not in my backyard attitude, uh, and, and lockdowns and, you know, social distancing. We need to be involved with other people. You know, you have to have that social contact. And what what is a, an, a good way to do that? Militias, neighborhood watches. I mean, you get to know people. And, you know, we're so disconnected now. Yeah. And, and, and they wonder why, you know, there are so many health mental health issues in this country well guess who caused it i mean 
Segregationists. Yeah. <laughs> That's who caused it. And and they happen to be called the government. Yeah. You know, they, they told kids to stay home. You can't go to school. And, and now teenage suicides. And, and we have this issue with, you know, being able to identify who you are. and I mean, just the list goes on and on. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there and, and you know, maybe something that, maybe someday, <laughs> you know, if we have more than 20 listeners, somebody will say, you know what, these guys are on to something. And that's well, really not a bad idea. And maybe we should look into doing something like that. Because, you know, like you said, sitting around and complaining about it or watching the TV and, and the media and, you know, all these politicians say the same things over and over and over again. It, just kicking the can down the road is not getting us anywhere. It's making things worse. Yeah, they're not working on the problems. They're working on their their political fights. They're not working on doing anything that represents us. So how about we start watching what they're doing? You know, how about we start getting that that used to be considered the press's role. But the press obviously doesn't do that. They're actually a political operative. So, you know, how about we start watching what's going on? Um, yeah, they're I, not even news anymore. They're not even news anymore. I mean, when's the no. last when's the last time you've ever watched any news broadcast and they actually talked about the news? Like it's been so long, I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I haven't. Yeah, I haven't watched any. But when I did, it's like everything is about politics, and this side hates this side, and this person said this about this person, and this person uh, used that to raise funds for their campaign. And it's like, okay, is that the only thing that happened in the world today? Really? Yeah. Well, if you watch Fox, which was always one of the gripes I had about Fox, was everything was political. Everything. Well, and they all, and they all, like, uh, you know, some of the defamation suits that were brought against some of these news organizations, they're like, oh, we're just opinion shows. You know, it's kind of like when uh, John Stossel sued Facebook for uh, banning him, and, and they throttled back his uh, recognition. Oh, yeah. And, and he took him to court for a defamation lawsuit. And they went, well, the fact checkers aren't really fact checkers. They're just opinion people. Most people never even heard of that lawsuit, no. let alone the fact that the fact checkers said, we're not really, really fact checkers. A lot of that's based on opinion. And I don't know whatever happened with the case, but if you came into, if I was a judge and you came into my courtroom and said, well, hey, we're really not fact checkers. We're more opinion and, and some of that's, you know, debatable. Well, then you need to stop calling yourself fact checkers because you're lying. <laughs> now get the hell out. And oh, by the way, you need to pay this man some money. Yeah. 
But we don't have people that stand up like that anymore. And, I, you know, it's so frustrating. Um, and I think that's why, uh, you know, every state, maybe it's not one, maybe it's several militia groups, you know, that are conducting oversight of state, local, and, and federal officials. Because they're not doing it to themselves, and, and that's got to stop. No, that's for sure. I think it's well, a good place to stop, too, don't you? I think so, yeah. So uh, today is Thursday, the last day of – is today the last day of August? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so today is what, the 30th? Well, the 31st. 31st. Um, so I guess we'll be back Tuesday of next week. And before, yeah. uh, before, before we go on, I've been wanting to get to this subject. So I'm going to play a little mm -hmm. teaser for our Tuesday episode. Just remember Monday's Labor Day. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you not want to do Tuesday? You want to just wait till next Thursday? No, no, no. I just thought I would let oh, you know, cause I actually, I'm so up to date on things that I just found out today. <laughs> yeah, so I want to play a little teaser before we leave, and then I'll I'll tell you oh. what it is. Well, shout out Patriot J, Benny Johnson, Big Bongino, Alex Jones, free my dogs and lock up the radical left's gone crazy. <laughs> I don't bail, I don't bail, I won't see inside a cell. Shout out Thugger, free my slime, slat, slat, YSL. They trying to lock me up, but I'm plugged in in ATL. Got homies doing life in jail, they living in hell. These DAs acting silly, my mugshot is with a billy. So okay, <laughs> so that is Donald Trump rapping. And it's all made by using AI. And so I want to get into the dangers of artificial intelligence. And you had mentioned numerous times on our show um, property rights. Oh. Uh, just a real quick teaser. So there, this is part of what Hollywood's on strike over is artificial intelligence and replacing them. They're making a new movie with James Dean using artificial intelligence. And do you own the rights to your voice, to your image, um, or can somebody just create a rap using your voice and make money off of it, or your likeness, or whatever? But to even go beyond that and how dangerous artificial intelligence can be uh, to everyone. Yeah. So I think that's a good subject to get into. Um, okay. A little bit different. Uh, yeah. And I like uh, artificial sweeteners better, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so. All right. Maybe, cool. maybe if you want to look into a few things. Um, if not, we'll just talk about it and and see where. It I have three hundred and one emails to get through <laughs> well, between you... now and Tuesday. So yeah. I mean, I'm not even getting that. Yeah, well, <laughs> all right. Well, That's not unprepared, I'll be. <laughs> all right, well, that'll be okay. We'll figure something out. We always do. Yeah, 
That's right. So we will see you uh, Tuesday. Have a good weekend, and thanks for uh, joining us. And check us out on inquiryintofreedom.com. Okay. We'll see you next time. Adios. Bye-bye. Bye.